Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I'm joined tonight by my fellow tokusatsu enthusiast and fellow Ultraman enthusiast. So why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, it's Justin. Cool. So me and Justin are here tonight. We're, we're the guys who dig Ultraman and like that kind of stuff. And the topic that we're broaching tonight is going to be Ultraman 80. And the reason why we're discussing Ultraman 80 is both myself and Justin have experienced the series for the first time. And by the means which we were able to experience it was by a wonderful, well, not so wonderful... <laughs> Malaysian dub. You may be familiar with some of the Malaysian dubs if you've ever seen some of our uh, now defunct sidecasts where we kind of poked fun at it in certain episodes of Ultraman Cosmos. Or you may have experienced these Malaysian dubs yourself, whether it's on things like Transformers Headmasters or old Godzilla movies, you know, the kind of unlicensed dubs that, you know, or, or maybe they are Toho, uh, Toho licensed dubs, but, you know, they're, they're kind of these dubs where people are speaking English, but you're not really hearing English. Like, you still need subtitles, even though they're speaking English a lot of the time. But, you know, not, not for nothing, we are thankful for the ability to watch a Ultraman series one way or the other and have a, a decent rudimentary understanding of what's going on. But since this is the first time I think we've ever really talked about Ultraman, I mean, I know me and Justin are big fans of it, but I don't think we've ever talked about it specifically on the podcast proper, and this is the first time we're going to be talking about it on Toku Thursdays. So I thought I'd just kind of break the ice a little bit before we get into the nitty-gritty of Ultraman 80 and just ask Justin a couple questions, and I may answer some of them myself. But one of the first things that we kind of wanted to talk about was, when were you first introduced to Ultraman, Justin? Like, do you have, like, a first memory of Ultraman at all? Just watching, like, Ultra 7 on TNT, like, whenever that was, like, probably mid to early 90s. Like, at the time, like, I, we didn't, my parents didn't have a satellite, so I would go, anytime I would go to my grandmother's, like, it was, like, a bonanza of, like, whatever I could watch, you know, like, Cartoon Network or Disney Channel or what have you. But, uh, you know, Monster Vision and stuff like that was big on TNT, and I was a huge fan of, like, you know, genre movies like that. So any time there was, like, any kind of weird or unusual thing on TNT, especially if it was, you know, Monster Vision or something. Like, I would I would just sit there and eat that stuff up. But I remember, like, waking up early one morning to, like, watch, you know, Saturday cartoons, and I happened to flip it over to TNT, and there was this, like, weird... I, th I thought maybe it was, like, some Godzilla movie I hadn't seen before because, you know, Ultraman... Yeah. It's kind of, you know, well, I guess, I guess I should say Jet Jaguar is a little similar to Ultraman. So I was like, well, what, yeah. what is this? And I was like, oh, this is, like... A TV show and it's about this guy named Ultra Seven, and that kind of that got me hooked. And 
you know, I, I watched it as often as I can or as I could, and you know, I would uh, record as many episodes as I could on tape and rewatch them. And then, kind of, I think I kind of forgot about Ultraman until I don't know, sometime in high school when I, my buddy mine had a bunch of like tapes of just regular Ultraman, and we would watch those. And then when uh, Ultraman Tiga started on Fox Kids, I remember watching that and being enthusiastic that Ultraman was back, but I was kind of like, I guess I was disappointed with that dub. Is true. That creature's got to be Melba. Looks like my mother-in-law. Yeah, you're right. No, her nose is bigger. But there's a resemblance. Yuzari was right. The time capsule's real. But then since then, you know, I've got the internet, so I've been watching, like, a lot of Ultraman stuff like crazy, like, especially especially here lately, like, where you and I have been doing a lot of Tugby stuff, and I've, yeah, yeah. I've been watching, like, Ginga, and I know you and I have been joking about, like, you know, when, 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 are, when is it going to be ready? Is... When are they going to finally sub that last episode of Ginga? Like, the... It, it, actually, Justin, like, excitement, it is subbed, but it's in Indonesian, uh, so <laughs> if you can if you can read Indonesian, you can totally nope. understand what happens. So, if only we spoke Japanese or read <laughs> Indonesian, we totally know what happens at the end of Ultraman Ginga. Yeah, for me, I, I, it's interesting you mentioned, like, you, you got into it and you watched Ultra 7 and then you kind of forgot about it and sort of rediscovered it. Because I, I feel like I had those two periods where, to answer this question, I would have to tell you about my vague childhood memories of, like, Ultraman. And it's like, I know I must have seen it, like, because the, the design and the face and everything, it's so familiar. Like, even I remember on Jay Leno when... Will Smith was promoting what was that superhero movie he did? The 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 he's like Hancock. the homeless dude or yeah Hancock. He was promoting Hancock, and so Jay Leno's like, well, who's your favorite superhero? And Will Smith thinks about it for a second, and he's like, it's Ultraman. And he's like, you mm. remember Ultraman? And he even did the move. He was like, <laughs> you know, and he does the little, you know, his hands crossed and all that stuff. And everybody, you know, the people that knew who he, Ultraman was were, you know, cheering and, and clapping and things like that. And I, I thought, well, yeah, even Will Smith knew who he was, you know. And, and I'm like, I remember the dub of the original show for some reason. I don't know if I watched it on TBS like you watched Ultraman. Like, I, I don't know, I, you know, enough about it. But I knew I knew who Ultraman was. I knew I was somehow exposed to his design and must have seen some of it at some point in my childhood. But similar to you, I feel like I went for a much longer period and forgot about it. Because I think... I think I, I was vaguely aware of Ultraman Tiga, but never really watched it. Like, I've never seen that dub. And, I, you know, I've watched Ultraman Tiga later in life, but it's been subtitled. So I, I don't think I ever keyed in on it when it was on the Fox Box or whatever they called that channel. And the, the way I ended up rediscovering it in, I guess, my adult fandom or, or lifetime or whatever was in, in my, my early 20s, Thanks to TV Nihon, like I, I was watching different shows, you know, over at that, you know, Internet site and everything. And, and they did a lot of nice fan subtitling and stuff like that. And I, I can't remember what I was really big on at the time, but I, I think I was watching like all these, you know, shows over there. And one of the shows that I was like, hey, I, I remember Ultraman. Like, I, I was just kind of like, I, I remember that guy. And what they were subtitling at the time was a series called Ultraman Nexus. So that kind of got me back into the whole thing, and I started watching that, and it was more, I, I always kind of describe it as like 
Marvel Ultimate Comics like version of Ultraman where you you kind of started from the ground up and there wasn't a lot of previous history that you would have needed to know, you know, and so I guess if you were, you know, that fabled new comic book reader or fabled new Ultraman watcher, like that was my moment to be like, oh, I can totally like get into this from the ground floor. And I started watching it. And then I think what really sealed the deal was at that point in time, I was living in Los Angeles and I'm not going to say it was very easy, but it was it was pretty easy to go see certain movies on, you know, one or two night showings of certain, you know, films, genre films that you normally wouldn't be able to see even in big American cities where because it was in L.A., they would show things like Godzilla Final Wars. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to go watch that like in a theater. Awesome. You know, like right around the same time when it actually came out in Japan, usually, or maybe even a month or two later or something like that. And one of the double features, I think, I don't know if it was with Final Wars or with like a Gamera movie or something, but it, it, it was always like I went to go see one movie like as part of a double billing and the movie I intended to see, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to watch that Gamera movie. And then I watched Ultraman the next and I was like, this movie's fucking awesome. You know, and I was just like super into it. So it was like, it was always like whatever the second movie that I didn't go to see. Like, I think I watched like Godzilla final wars. And then I think they showed like the great yokai war afterwards. And I was like, yeah, final wars was cool and everything. But I was like that great yokai war. That was the fucking shit. So I always ended up liking the movie. I knew nothing about way better. And, and I think watching Ultraman the next, like totally, sealed the deal for me. So then after that, I was kind of like, oh, I'm totally like an Ultraman fan for life now. And that that's kind of how I, I guess, my second exposure to it. And so I guess, so people know where we're coming from if they are longtime Ultraman fans. The, the other kind of icebreaker question I was going to ask before we get into the nitty gritty of Ultraman 80 was going to be, what what series or, or like which Ultraman, uh, I don't know if the question is, exclusive or mutual, but, you know, what series is your favorite Ultraman series, and then which Ultraman is probably your favorite Ultraman? answer to both of those would be Ultra 7. I've actually found a bunch of those, like, Ultra 7 TNT dubbed episodes on YouTube. I've been re-watching some of those for Giggles and Kicks. And I don't know, I guess it's just because he was my first Ultraman. Like, I really like Ultra 7, and so... Like whenever they have one of those big giant team up movies, I'm all like I'm always looking for Ultra Seven. I was like, all right, where's Ultra Seven? I was like, okay, he's in the background. Oh, okay, like cool. He's got his, you know, he's got his awesome moment, like you know, trying to save the day and stuff. But it, it really takes me back to just you know, being a kid, you know, nostalgia and all that. And I, I guess that's why Ultra Seven's my favorite. But you know, I've watched several other series, and I guess I lean more towards like you know the Showa Ultraman. Like I think Leo and uh, Ultraman Ace are pretty cool, but I also like. I don't know, like, I've tried to finish watching Tiga, and I, like, I'll get into it, and then I guess I'll get bored of it for a while, and I have to, like, I have to, like, take a break from it or something, but I like uh, those Ultraman Zero movies or, like, any kind of, like, uh, yeah, short yeah. films that are, like, you know, half-hour specials. Like, I think those are really great. Like, I like, I really like Zero. Cool. Yeah, I, I've been watching a lot of Ultra 7 on the recent Shout Factory release, so I've been watching it all subtitled instead of dubbed, but all I could think of is, compared to most Ultramen who 
kind of obliterate their opponents. I was always like, man, Ultra Seven, he's a brutal motherfucker. Like he, 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 he not only he takes your wallet, but he cuts your fucking throat and lets you bleed out after he takes your wallet. You know, I was like, he's he's a bad motherfucker, Ultra Seven. Yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying uh, watching a lot of those, because for me, I, I don't think I've ever seen Ultra 7 on TBS when I was a kid, so th- this a lot of these are my first time, with the exception of, like, the uh, I, I think TV Nihon did the, the Ultra 7X, I don't know, Millennium, whatever you want to call it, like yeah. the, that 13-episode series, so, like, that was the first time I had seen Ultra 7X, and I was like, who are all these fine Japanese ladies? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was into that show, and, and since it was only, you know, 12 or 13 episodes, it wasn't a, a super long, you know, 50-episode time commitment either, so I remember enjoying that. I mean, as far as my favorite, I guess just for nostalgia's sake, because it was the first movie I watched in the theater, like, I do love Ultraman the next. Like, I, I know to some people it might be like, you know, this kind of reboot Ultraman that doesn't have anything to do with like the Showa era or the history or whatever but I just remember really really enjoying that film when I saw it and I thought it was a good solid story and introduced the character to me very well and and I was really happy with it and as far as who my my favorite Ultraman is I don't know that's like a tough question for me I I, I'm thinking like it would either be Nexus or, or maybe Mobius like because those are the shows that I've pretty much watched from beginning to end in totality. So I, I really like both those guys because I guess, like I said, the Nexus was the, I guess, my my second coming of, of age with Ultraman. So that was the first character that sort of reintroduced me to the franchise. And then Mobius was one of the shows that I watched immediately after that. And I also got to see the Ultra Brothers and Ultraman Mobius movie in the theater. So that was another thing where I, I completely appreciated like all the history. Like I always sort of compare that show to when I, I know people usually use this as a negative, but but you know how people always bitch and moan on the internet that when Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio like came to DC Comics, like everything got set back to the Silver Age or whatever, and they're like, God damn you guys, or whatever, and they're all angry about it. Well, I felt like Ultraman Mobius was a lot like that, where it's like they had a lot of, you know, Tiga and and Cosmos and all these guys were all these alternate universes, kind of like Gundam Wing and G Gundam, and it was like, oh, we're finally going back to Tomino, or we're finally going back to, you know, Silver Age DC. We, we took a little detour. It was a nice detour, and certain people enjoyed it, but this this was sort of a celebration of all the history, you know, of the Showa era period. And, and, you know, being a longtime fan of comics and DC comics like that was, even though I wasn't as familiar, you know, I knew who Ultraman was and I started to know who Ultra seven was and, and some of the different characters, but just knowing that there was this whole rich history that they were celebrating was just, you know, it, it would make any fanboy smile, even if you weren't familiar with all the history. And so, you know, that, that was always a, a great aspect of that series and those movies. But I guess we, we should now, now that we've broken the ice with, Ultraman fans and non-Ultraman fans alike, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here, the nitty-nitty-gritty of the Melee Ultraman 80 dub. And 
this dub that we got to see actually includes two episodes. It's going to be episodes three and episodes four of Ultraman 80. Now, just to give some context, Ultraman 80 ran from 1980 in April to March 1981. So it is a super, super 80 series. You know, Ultraman 80, he got, he's got his hair all teased up and shit. No, he doesn't, <laughs> but it, it is it is super 80s. I mean, it's got this appropriately 80s intro and theme song, you know, where he's like, he came to us from the stars, you know, in the, in the theme song or whatever. And then there's, uh, like most, Japanese series. It's about uh, 50 episodes or so in total. And uh, we mentioned different eras of, of uh, you know, Japanese, I guess, I, I don't know what to call it, just Japanese programming or whatever. But, you know, they basically define certain eras of the programming, uh, you know, by these different eras. And so, like, the Showa era would include older movies like, say, Godzilla and, you know, basically all the way up to Terror of Mechagodzilla. But then when you get to Godzilla 1984 or the return of Godzilla, that would be the Heisei era. And then by the time you get to, you know, Godzilla 2000, of course, that is the Millennium era. So similarly, the same thing applies to Ultraman. So the old Ultraman show from the 60s is considered part of the Showa era. And Ultraman Tiga is, again, the break into the Heisei era. And then you'd say stuff like, you know, Nexus and Mobius and a lot of these shows that I was talking about are, you know, part of that new Millennium era, you know, the, the era moving forward. What's interesting to note is that Ultraman 80 is the last Ultraman show from the Showa era. So there there was about a 16-year hiatus between Ultraman 80 and then Ultraman Tiga. So I, I find that kind of interesting in terms of, did it suck that bad? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. is, is this that awful that they went on hiatus for 16 years? I don't think it does, but, but I think maybe it was just the franchise was tired and needed kind of a reboot. You know, it was kind of like, you know, Star Trek, maybe after Enterprise, they needed to cool their jets and come back to it. But it was, you know, 16 years of cooling their jets when they finally came back to it. I mean, that's the kind of basic setup for it. Ultraman 80 is considered one of the Ultra Brothers. He's the ninth Ultra Brother. His secret identity, because normally the way Ultraman stuff works is either the, the character comes from the M78 Nebula and fuses with maybe a human being that's on the planet, or he has a human alternate identity so he could actually walk the Earth and not kind of get his little energy meter all red and depleted. In this case, he is science teacher Takashi Yamato, who, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but it, the setup for Takashi actually kind of reminds me a bit of some of the good parts of JMS's Spider-Man run, like how he was trying mm. to make Peter a high yeah. school science teacher. And in this case, it's kind of like, he, you know, this, this character, Takashi, is, is a junior high science teacher, and, and there is that aspect to it where he, he cares about his students. It's almost, to me, it, it's the strongest emotional connection, I think, that people can make with the character in the show. So that's, that's basically who he is. And then th this is the part where it gets into where I, I think it gets kind of complicated, but he also moonlights as a utility government member, the UGM, which is kind of like their version of the Earth Defense Force, like kind of like a, 
an offshoot, off-branch of the Earth Defense Force, which usually, if, if you're not familiar with Ultraman shows, there's usually a supporting cast of characters, and most of these supporting human characters often are, I'd say they're kind of science fiction-esque military units that usually deal with the extraterrestrials and monsters and kaiju that show up. And, you know, the idea is they are also defending the Earth. And normally, one of the Ultraman characters, whoever it is in the franchise, also their secret identity, normally works with those agencies. So it's kind of in keeping with tradition, but it always seemed weird to me, I guess, you know, on, on this watching this show, that he is also a schoolteacher. Like, so, like, like the way I always looked at it was, it's kind of like if you're familiar with Daredevil, it's like if Daredevil was Matt Murdock a lawyer, and then he was also an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the weekends. <laughs> and then, in between the weeks where he's a lawyer, and the weekends where he's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., he keeps making excuses to go turn into Daredevil. You know, and you start to think, damn, dude, when does this guy sleep? Like, he's got a got a lot of shit to cover and people to make excuses to and everything so it's and i guess you know reading the wiki even though i i haven't seen all 50 episodes it, it does sort of indicate that eventually like it does kind of break the camel's back and he eventually has to become just a member of the ugm and and kind of quit teaching because you know there's just so much monster action going on i guess and you know that that kind of stuff is going on i didn't do anything you are hurt. It's nothing serious. No, but you must be a doctor. Never mind. No, you must go. The first episode that we're going to discuss is called First Love Monster. And that's episode three of Ultraman 80. It opens up on the junior high where Takashi teaches. And uh, Takashi is crushing on this lady, Miss Kyoko, this cute lady who is the school gym teacher. And then, uh, I guess it's, it's sort of the end of the day, so everybody's saying good day and kind of ending the school day. And he comes across these two kids in a fight, and of course everybody's around the fight and watching to see what happens and everything. And Takashi breaks up this fight, and it turns out that they're fighting over a girl. So I guess this one girl broke up with this other guy, this guy named Shinichi. And how do I know his name is Shinichi? Well, let me tell you here. This dub, this melee dub, you'd be lucky if you can understand, like, five <laughs> words in, like, the span of a minute and put together, like, some cognizance of what's going on because we'll we'll, we'll play some clips, I'm sure, at some point. But, man, it's like you just sit there and you're like, you know... <laughs> trying to understand what exactly is going on. Because you, 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 you hear English every other word, but you're, like, trying to put it together and figure out what's going on, and then trying to understand somebody's name, and then it's in Japanese. It's, like, so many layers removed. It's like, okay, this is a Japanese TV show that's dubbed by Malaysian people that are trying to speak English, that are butchering the English language, and then they're speaking a Japanese name in butchered English. So it's like it's hard enough for, like, Americans to pronounce a Japanese name as it is, much less a butchered English version of Japanese. So what I did to sort of piece together certain characters' names, you know, because the, the Internet is good, but it's not great, like, for this kind of stuff. But basically, 
since I'm a fan of Ultraman Mobius, and I know Justin and I have seen Ultraman Mobius, Ultraman 80 actually makes a comeback. Like I said, it's it's a rich history of the Showa period that it sort of returns to the glory of. And so there's an episode, 41, called Teacher's Memories, where Ultraman 80 guest stars, basically. And you see all these students of his years later as adults and, and what jobs they had and who they grew up into and all this kind of stuff. And it's a nice little kind of school reunion type episode. And if you watch that episode, they actually reference this episode that we're watching. So there's some nice scenes where everybody bumps into everybody and they're like, oh, oh, hey, hey, who are you? Justin, Justin, that's you. And then Justin's like, Derek, Derek, I remember you. You totally like made a monster attack like, you know, California. (laughs) And, And you're like, don't do that anymore, you know, and that kind of thing. And Ultraman 80 stopped it, you know. And so, so they have a lot of scenes like that, and from there I was able to piece together certain characters' names. But, you know, when you, when you listen to the dub, like, first you're like, what's his name? Shinshin? And you're like, what's his name? <laughs> and then I was like, it can't be Shinshin, that doesn't sound... I'm like, is it Shin-chan? I'm like, no, it doesn't sound like that. And I'm like, is it Shinji? Like, Shinji from Evangelion? I wrote down, like, 500 different versions of the name until I came back and was like, oh... This character's name is Shinichi, and the reason why I knew is because some awesome guy who dubbed Ultraman Mobius, you know, had it in that episode, and I was able to kind of see the callback to it and went, oh, his name's Shinichi. So so this poor kid, Shinichi, he got dumped, so he's listening to Ben Folds 5, he wants his money back, bitch, <laughs> and he's really, he's really, really upset, like, he, he's, he's you know, depressed, he, he's not happy, he gets into this fight with this kid because the other kid is the one going out with this girl now and everything, and the entire premise of Ultraman 80 is that negative human emotions, it's kind of interesting, and energy and everything, leads to the creation of all these monsters that Ultraman 80 ends up fighting. Captain, this is the result of the computation. Captain, what does it mean? This may seem to be made of negative energy. Negative energy? It's a man feeling of hate and jealousy. You know, if you read, like, the wiki entries and different things on the internet, they refer to it as minus energy. Like, that's what it's called. And if you actually watch the Ultraman Mobius episode, it's translated correctly, and they call it minus energy. I think in in this dub, you know, it's like, oh, it is negative energy, or whatever. You know, they say something, you know, and you can barely understand it, but it's they call it negative energy or something like that. But basically the idea is, in, in this poor kid's case, it's like a manifestation of all his hatred and jealousy towards the situation and everything. And then meanwhile, at the UGM, and, and like we described, it's like the show's Earth Defense Force. So at that headquarters, they're all under alert. And, and it's funny because I was watching it and I'm like, what is this, a fucking call center? Yes, this is UGM. What is this? What are you doing? Can't you do anything? Can't you hear the voice? Hello, it's a monster. What is this? Is it a monster or what? Hey, can't you do anything about it? Hey, hey, can't you hear me? Somebody do something about this. Hey. Like, because they, they're getting all these phone calls, and I'm like, 
people actually call this place like they're like dude there's a monster take care of it you know like that that's what it sounds like it sounds like it was like a call for like customer service for the hello sir yes or you know i want my ikea detolf please and and please fix it or whatever but then it's like oh and by the way there's like a monster attacking the city and they're like we'll get right on that basically this kid causes this this kaiju monster this first love monster which if you go to the ultraman wiki the character's name is ho so there's no irony there, I guess, because <laughs> you got dumped by one. Um, but anyway, and so it creates the Ho monster. But anyway, sorry, just, you know, that's, that's kind of the first thing I thought of when I, I found out the monster's name. But yeah, like, like so, so they basically go on patrol, and they've got all their cool special ships, which I'm sure have awesome names, but because this dub is awesome, and I can't understand what they're called, and I can't read the, the kanji that, that it, it is posted below, because it's not subtitled or anything, I'm not sure what those ships are called, but kind of like typical Earth Defense Force ships, they're, they're these, you know, jet fighters and everything that are very science fiction-y and fantastical, that have super rockets and lasers, and, you know, they're designed and built to fight these these kaiju these monsters and everything so I'm, I'm just curious like like what were your first impressions of of like the utility government members like or you know because I, I, I barely caught any of their names and I yeah. kind of had to go backward and everything but like I mean do, did you like the the ships did you think they you know like what was it confusing that like he's a teacher one minute and then the next minute he's like in his little orange jumpsuit like kind of hanging out with these UGM guys? Like, what was your take on that, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I I figured he was just going to be, you know, a, a civilian, you know, he's a teacher and he's Ultraman 80, but then you throw in, you know, he's part of this, you know, government thing. I was like, well, okay, I, I guess he can do that. I don't know, but, I mean, it, it seems like most of the Ultraman shows have some kind of, like, side agency that does nothing but, you know, deal with monster attacks and whatnot so i guess i guess it's to be expected but i i, I didn't catch any of the other members names like I, it would have been nice if they could have dubbed or put it made available that first episode so we would have like a better you know i guess introduction Talk for some of these characters yeah. yeah i did think their uh their little ships were pretty neat because i don't know some although i like some of the show shows like i think some of their ships they use are a little I don't know, a little too goofy at sometimes. Like so the ships they used in eighty, they were like pretty they were pretty I don't know, solid it seems, you know, not not as flimsy I guess as what you're used to seeing. Like they they do seem like they bridge the gap between, you know, the later eras and and the early era. I mean it is it is a Showa era TV show, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be like the design and, and the kind of bulk of the ships. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they that kind of design ended up in the Millennium show or something, at, like as a CGI model at some point. Or you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it would fit right in there as well. Uh, Miss Kyoko, hi. Hi, Mr. Yamato. You know what? I cried under the blanket last night, thinking that you neglected me. But <laughs> but today, I'm trying again and make my day a lovely one. But... I'm so sorry. Today I have to go to swimming lecture. Uh, uh, really? <laughs> Miss Ayara? Ah! Do you want to leave? Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, but... Uh, Mr. Yamato, this is Mr. Kitagawa teaching at Nanda Junior High School. Mr. Yamato is teaching at 7th grade. How do you do? Nice to meet you. I'll see you later. 
Okay. In the middle of all this, like obviously the UGM is on alert and they're they're going after the monster. But meanwhile, Takashi is busy and he's doing important important shit, like trying to get into Miss Kyoko's pants. Like he's <laughs> he's head over heels for Miss Kyoko. She's the hottie gym teacher, and and he's basically you know trying to be like, hey, let's let's go out, let's do stuff. Like you're you're hot, I like you, and everything. No matter what, she has a swimming lesson, and it, it took me a while to understand what she said because all I heard was <laughs> yeah, swimming. I was like, I was I was like, like she has a swimming, like, swimming lecture, swimming? like, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, she's she's going to a swimming match, like she's trying to be in a race, like what does she do? Okay, something swimming, yeah, is very difficult to understand, and and of course she gets shot down again, and and not only is she going to a swimming lesson. But she rides off with some other fucking dude who's a teacher, and you're just like, dude, total cock block. The dude pulls up in like his car, and be like, I'm like, I'd be like, I'm talking to this woman, you know, and it's like, you know, he's just like, hey, jump in, baby, I'm gonna ride you down to the swim lesson, and then I'm like, what? Yeah, I was just like, are you kidding me? But yeah, so you 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 obviously you feel bad for Takashi, or you at least relate, you know, like everybody's been in that situation where you're like, oh, I really, I really, really like this girl, like I want this to go good, and then of course it doesn't, you know, outside events that are that are beyond your control, you know, uh, sort of steer the conversation in a different direction, and you're just like, you know, you're like, oh damn, like I just I messed that up, or or at least you know it's not your fault, but you know it just it didn't go the way you were, you know, he he has these big plans in his head, you know. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go out. We're gonna have fun. Oh wait, that's not gonna happen today. And then and then we kind of cut back to him teaching his regular classes. And there, there's a, a moment where Takashi takes notice of Shinichi and, and kind of how upset he is, you know, because he's he's still getting over being dumped by his his high school junior high girlfriend and everything, and he he seems kind of depressed and everything. And then. It's almost like that transfers to Takashi because he's thinking of his own kind of failures with Miss Kyoko, and he, he kind of, you know, he, he's not like you know crying or anything, but he's he's a little disheartened, and he kind of disheartenedly walks down the staircase and everything after the class ends. And who I will refer to as the unintelligible Scooby Gang <laughs> pokes their heads out from around the corner. Now these are all the these are the four. I'm assuming these are the four kids that frequently appear on this series because they were all called back to in the Ultraman Mobius episode as adults. But if you were to watch this, and and, and I guess this is worth mentioning too, this is episode three, and we're going to talk about episode four, and, and we watched them together. I was originally under the impression, and, and we were having this conversation about how I thought maybe this was the first episode and the other episode was the second episode, but it wasn't. So I, I don't know if they have better introductions in previous episodes or whatever, but it's like you, you I, I'm, I'm gonna play this fucking clip for you guys. Hey, what's wrong with him today? Maybe he's also had a broken heart. Guys like Shinichi and Mr. Yamato are not the ghost type of man. Looking at them, I feel how wonderful it is to be loved by someone, though I feel sorry for Shinichi. And one more thing, someone like the hate teacher who had never had the chance to love somebody or to be loved by somebody. I think that type of person, anything couldn't come near them. Uh, she, she, she come. Oh, she's coming. Man, these kids, man. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, man. I mean, seriously, it's like they're like, oh, the teacher, oh, depressed. Oh, girl, oh, blah. 
you know, and you're just like, I, I, you know, I, I get they're concerned for him. They, they think he's depressed because he struck out with Miss Kyoko, but I, I had no fucking clue what was going on. I didn't know what their names were or anything like that. As far as I can tell from the, the Mobius stuff, piecing it back, a lot of them had nicknames. So, like, there was one guy named Sukamoto who becomes a teacher at the school in the Mobius episode. So I assume he was the tallest kid there that seemed to be the most sensible, like, kind of most, you know, kind of the, the good-looking leader kid or whatever of the students. And then the three other kids, there was one girl, and then and then I, I think her nickname was Fashion. Like, fashion, or whatever. Like, that was her nickname, because I guess she was a, a girl that was into, you know, probably all the latest fashions or something like that. There's this little tiny kid with Coke bottle glasses who his nickname is Professor. You know, so he's the professor. And then there's this other kind of chubby kid who we'll get to learn more about in the next episode we discuss here towards the tail end of the podcast. And his name is Super or Super. You know, so there, there's those four kids and they all kind of poke their heads around the, the unintelligible Scooby gang. And, and they have this kind of concern. And like I said, I couldn't I couldn't really tell you what the hell they were talking about, even if I tried. Like they, they, they think he's broken hearted. And then all of a sudden, this teacher with a big stick up her ass, like comes up behind and she's got this disapproving look on her face. Most of the Scooby, unintelligible Scooby gang runs off, but I think it's uh, Sukamoto who's left there. And I'm thinking, oh, well, now she's going to bring this kid to the principal for whatever reason. But she doesn't. So I'm I'm just kind of like, you know, yeah. I, I I didn't follow exactly what that whole exchange was about. Like, that they're, they're, is, is she disapproving because they're talking about the teacher behind his back, but they're just doing it out of concern. Like, I, I didn't know what the the whole exchange was about other than reading the the wiki entries this is deputy schoolmaster kumi nozawa and so apparently she's supposed to be this kind of prim and proper you know kind of lady who's always probably sticking her nose in where it doesn't always belong you know or or maybe she's she's just that's her nature to be disapproving of everything you know maybe it's like the kids are like here we made this pretty picture and we we we're doing a car wash for charity, and she'd just be like, "All right, guys, I disapprove," you know. And you're just like, "Well, why? It's a good I disapprove because <laughs> I'm I'm Kumi Nozawa, and I disapprove of this message." You know, it just seems like that's that's what her archetype was just to be this this kind of nagging, disapproving, you know, lady who has a scowl on her face all the time, no matter what's going on. Like that's the vibe I got from her. But. Like, what was your... See, that's what I'm curious about. Like, did you did you get anything out of that scene that I didn't? Okay. Because cause I was like, I was just curious what your take on that. Because that, that, that has to be the most kind of, I don't know, just unintelligible exchange <laughs> that, that in, the, in this whole piece. I, I was also confused. I was like, okay, I guess this little kid's in trouble for something. But no. And then I think it's the very next scene where Takashi is like kind of talking with the principal and that stern teacher. And then this uh, this other teacher like comes in and she has this big, big spiel of dialogue. Yes. Sir, the lunch supply center called today. He said the students usually leave out the cucumber from their lunch. They want the teacher to urge them to eat the cucumber. Is that so? Uh, I'll see to that. Sorry for interrupting. I couldn't understand anything she said. Like I watched that scene like three times, and the only thing I, I thought I caught was I think she said something about a cucumber. 
but I'm pretty sure that's her. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, she just pokes her head in, and she's like, da 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 blah, 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 cucumber, da blah, 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 and she leaves. I'm like, what? What has happened in this show? Like, I mean. Wait, wait, what I, what I kind of put was in my notes, I'm like, more unintelligible school <laughs> politics and no real explanation for the disapproving face. You know, like, it's like, I, I yeah, I don't know what, what they were talking about. It's, I know, I know the principal. like, stole, uh cucumber and now he's got found out and he's like in super trouble like i i, yeah, I don't know yeah. <laughs> that sounds likely yeah. to me yeah what, what i was able to piece together from from the internet and watching the scene the, the principal's name is hayashi at some point later in the series he becomes privy to the fact that takashi is also ultraman 80 mm. so i think that probably helps with the whole like making excuses i i, I would assume he's like his you know commissioner gordon or or, or maybe a more approving J. Jonah Jameson or, you know, something like that where, where, you know, it's kind of like, or, you know, like a Robbie Robertson character, you know, like, well, you know, okay, Peter, like do, do your best, you know, like that kind of thing. Like where, where there, he's got a guy in the, the community or, or the, the culture of, of this school on his side to sort of make excuses for him as well or whatever. But in that particular instance, like you're saying, yeah, we, we have no idea what, what they were talking about. I mean, we, you know, if, if you guys want to watch it yourselves and write in and tell us what you think <laughs> was going on, we, we welcome yes. the explanation because, uh, yeah, that, that chicken blue who, who's like the school announcement lunch lady or whatever she is like that wears the same clothes from episode <laughs> to episode and gets on a loudspeaker's like monster. I'll come and have the news, you know? And you're just like, Oh, I guess the, they heard about the monster on the news. You know, like that's, that's all you really get out of it. But yeah, so so now we, we, we cut back, it's late at night, this kid Shinichi, the dumped kid, has this weird out-of-body experience where you see his, like, Doctor Strange astral form get awakened while his real body is sleeping in the real world. And then this kaiju shows up, what was he called? Oh, the Ho, the Ho monster. The Ho <laughs> shows up on, on the scene. You know, because now I guess his astral form, you know, I guess all this hatred and jealousy has basically, you know, enabled this this monster to start attacking the city and everything. And so Takashi and the UGM, they're they're totally like about to go after it. And it, it's kind of weird because Takashi's in his orange jumpsuit, and it's like he's going to join his his fellow members, but like I was saying, it's kind of like this weird thing, like where Daredevil's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and then he turns to Nick Fury, which in this case is a guy named Captain Oyama, you know, his, his, his captain of the UGM force, and it'd be like Daredevil as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. turning to Nick Fury and going, dude, uh, something came up, I can't go out on the S.H.I.E.L.D. plane flight, I'll be right back. You know, and then he turns into Daredevil and goes and helps anyway. So it, it, it's kind of like it seems to be sort of counterproductive or intuitive to, to the actual situation. The, the other thing before I forget that I wanted to bring up is, although we think this is really far-fetched and everything, I do want to point out that one of our fanhole correspondents, who I'm a big fan of, it's Nathan Bouvier, our very own Boove on the Batak forums, he kind of is like this, actually. Like, I, I don't know if he'd be happy if I was saying this or not, but I'm going to say it anyway, because he is not only a school teacher, but he also is a volunteer firefighter. Yeah. 
and I'm sure he moonlights as Ultraman 80 as well. <laughs> so, so I'm like thinking like, dude, this is totally like, like, you know, it's like, dude, I'm just saying it cause I have mad respect for it. It's like, you're thinking like, wow, this, you know, this must be like Wolverine appearing in like 80 books and the guy's stretching himself thin. But I think there are people out there that, you know, have multiple careers and, and do, you know, other different things, you know, so, so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but in, in this case, it does seem like certain things are, are counterintuitive. It's not like, it's not like when, when Boove is going out to be a volunteer firefighter, he's like, wait a minute, let me turn into my daredevil costume, can't volunteer firefight right this minute, and then he goes and saves some people from burning building in his daredevil outfit, you know, it's like he, he, he just, he, he goes and he does the volunteer firefighting and, and, and takes care of business, you know? So it's like he's got the one career and the other career. But in, in, in Takashi's case, it's almost like he's divided three different ways, you know? So it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, like I said, eventually, later on, I guess, in the series, he's got to actually give up the teaching and everything. It's okay, because the UGM, they're, they're on the defensive and they're attacking this hoe monster, you know? And so... Takashi basically is like, wait a minute, I, I, I guess because he's Ultraman 80 or whatever, he can see like where the energy source of the monster is coming from, so he sort of tracks down Shinichi's astral form, and he's radioing the captain. He's like, wait, give me a few minutes, I, I, can, I can solve this, I, I know what I'm doing. And then, and then it's like, it makes a little more sense. You know, it's like, oh, that's why he couldn't go on the... The, the attack run with with all the other fighter pilots and everything it's like he 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 kind of knew there was another way to go about solving this problem and everything and so it, there's this kind of interesting scene where he's like knocking on the, the the family house door late at night and the mother's like oh you're the teacher come on in and and, and he's got to be like okay you got to wake up kid and basically he kind of runs him from his house and takes him somewhere, you know, where he's like, hey, listen, we just got to have this man-to-man talk, and, you know, he's like, dude, you know, everybody gets dumped at some point or another, and, you know, he, he's even joking to him that he's got plenty of experience because he got Miss Kyoko turning him down left and right every five minutes, you know, and and then he actually tells another story about this other girl, so I assume, you know, it's some chick on the Land of Light, who was dicking around with him when he was little kid Ultraman 80 or whatever. And he tells this story about how he got her some musical instrument, but then she went out with some other dude, probably Ultra 7, because everybody loves him and he's awesome. So probably that's that's the story of how Ultra Zero actually was conceived, but we don't know, you know, we didn't know at the time or whatever. But anyway, the the point is, I'm just joking about a lot of stuff, but, but the point is, I guess he's he's relating to Shinichi how... You know, he he did this nice thing for a girl because he really, really liked her. But then she went ahead and got this other boyfriend. And then this is where, see, I understood what was being said, but this is the best dubbed line. This is my favorite line in the show. He's like, basically, he's explaining, like, she got this other boyfriend instead of me. And then he says, this is what he actually says. He says, I was sad. I felt down. But when, when he says it in the dub, he, this is what it sounds like. It sounds like, I was set. I feel dumb. And like, that's, that's what I was, yeah. like, I was like. I'm like, you sat and you were dumb? I'm like, what? But he was saying is, I, I was sad and I felt let down. You know, that, that's supposed to be the, 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 the crux of what you're supposed to get out of it. He's trying to relate to this kid. And it's, you know, 
conceivably, I'm sure if we heard it in Japanese, it'd be this nice touching scene where the teacher relates to the student and, you know, one of these after school special type moments or whatever. But, you know, at the time, it just made me laugh my ass up. Right. It's like, I'm, I'm like, I got to remember that. I'd be like, I was sad. I feel dumb. I'd be like, <laughs> get used to it, kids. Girls are always going to make you feel sad and dumb. <laughs> yeah, get used to it now, folks. Like, that's, that's how it's going to go. She got a new boyfriend. I was sad. I feel down. You know, and, and the kid, of course, like, even though he gives him the good, his best after-school special talk, the kid's still like, I still have hatred! You know, he's all upset and shit. He's like, fuck this shit, I gotta, you know, use the monster to wreck the city and everything. And and I just want to note that even though this monster wrecks a building, there were no people in it because it's Sunday. So, <laughs> before you get any ideas, before you go on a Man of Steel-esque rampage about how this kid needs to be put in jail and all this other stuff, the building was empty. Everybody's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, the UGM is still there. It's still firing on this monster, the whole monster, to, to no effect. Like, you know, all these missiles and cool things. The, the ships look cool, but they don't do a whole hell of a lot. Like, apparently it's like, you know, I don't know, the flies buzzing around this, you know, human being or whatever. And Takashi's trying really, really hard to get through to this kid. But, I mean, he's just he's just not listening to reason. And what's funny is he almost becomes his own collateral damage. He's like, I'm not going to listen to you. And he keeps running through the city and everything. And eventually, the home monster, like, knocks down some, some parts, you know, some top of a building. And these concrete bl- bricks are falling all around. It's like he nearly gets crushed. And he would have died if it wasn't for Takashi. He jumps in the way and pushes him out of the way. And that finally, finally snaps this kid out of his funk. Like, he, he's, he's not so self-involved anymore, I guess. You know, he, he finally kind of snaps out of it. And, and it, it's almost like he shames him by saving his life. It's like, come on, man, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? So, you know... And at this point, he's crying for the monster to disappear, but at, at this point, it's kind of like, okay, well, we're into it now. Like, we got to have Ultraman 80 show up and fight this monster, so the monster's not just going to, you know, vanish or anything. It's 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 like he, he let those emotions out, and, you know, he he doesn't want to have that continue, but it's, it's kind of too late. And there's even a scene where he, he, now that he's sort of in the shameful, regretful mode, you know, he even goes to help the girl who dumped him earlier. And, and pushes her out of the way, and then this wall topples on him, you know, and and then basically the monster's about to close in, the whole monster's about to, like, step on, you know, Shinichi, and then at this point we get the money moment, the moment everybody's been waiting for, Takashi transforms into Ultraman 80, and they, I think they call it, like, the Ultra Wand, but... I thought it looked like a sonic screwdriver. What did you think, Justin? <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so so I was like, I was like, that's that kind of looks like a sonic screwdriver. Yeah, it was cool. Like he he had his little wand, and then he turns into Ultraman eighty and everything. So let's talk a little bit about Ultraman eighty. Like, what, what do you think about like his design, like, and and what's going on here? I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. Like, the battle is set at nighttime, so it's not. I mean, at least in my opinion, like, I, I've seen certain episodes of Ultraman shows set at night, but, you know, a lot of times it's during the day, and it, it kind of falls back to that typical criticism you'd get for people who are not fans of the genre, where everything looks like 
cardboard boxes and it's goofy and you know I'm 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 doing air quotes but nobody can see me do them because <laughs> we're on a podcast but you know I I don't really think it's goofy and and lame but you know th- th- these are things I've heard you know people so I'm just repeating them for context but but in this case I think it's one of those things where even awful CGI looks better at night you know so it's like one of those things where even you know cool kaiju and lighting and and nighttime you know it can make things look kind of ominous and cool, but I'm just curious, like, what did you think about the, the Ultraman 80 design, and, and what do you think about this, the the fight and the, the way everything looked and stuff? I like 80's design. His his face is a lot more human than some of the previous Ultraman, I guess. I like his design. I like the night battle. I think it's really unfortunate that, there, that we only have these two episodes, like... I've never even been able to find any subbed episodes of Ultraman 80. Like, after watching these two episodes, I tried to dig around and find some, and I I couldn't find any. I couldn't even find any Raws, actually, because I think this would be a really good series if it were properly subbed. I just think a lot of of the good bits are, you know, lost in translation. It's like Derek said, you know, Takashi probably, you know, could give a good, touching, heartwarming speech to, you know, little kid, but most of it's lost in translation and through this horrible dub that we can't understand. Because I'm still angry. I still feel hatred. I still hate... I mean, I guess I guess that has its own charm, and I can find my own appreciation yeah. for it, but only only at select moments in time. Like I, I think that the thing is, I, we should probably be grateful there are only these two episodes because I can I can handle them in chunks. You know, I can handle like an episode and then give myself a half an hour and watch the second episode. But when it's like Ultraman Cosmos, where there's like 20 of these things dubbed in melee, it's just like you try like if you watch 20 of those in a row, you will be clinically insane by the end of the 20 episodes like you you will you will just it's like it's it's like if the star wars holiday special was in a foreign language like that's you know i don't know it's just it's crazy you know not not to get past the 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 end of the episode but basically i mean you kind of know what's coming like you know ultraman 80 takes out the the home monster with his buckle beam from his belt. So it's not quite like, you know, the specium ray or whatever where they put their hands together and, and mow him down. I think he tries that and it doesn't work and he uses the the buckle beam. And then that almost like envelops him in f- flames and the monster just like combusts into nothing, you know. So it's like it, it's kind of interesting that that's kind of how the the monster is undone. And then there's like a little epilogue where Takashi's still trying to work his magic on Miss Kyoko. He's like, "Hey baby, you know, it's Sunday morning." You know, we can go to the park, and then after that we can go see a movie. Like, he's got all these big plans. And then, you know, this dude, the cock block dude, comes back with the fucking car, and you're like, oh, man, she's going to drive off with this cock block motherfucker again. And then she turns to the guy and says, look, I'm busy. And you're like, yeah, man, Takashi's going to get some. It's going to be awesome and everything. He's going to go to the park. He can go to the movies, get a little something, something. And then she says, no, no, I'm actually busy. I have a swimming lesson. <laughs> and then Takashi's like, well, that's cool, baby. Like, fuck it. Let's go swimming. Like, let's go swimming. I love you. You know? And she's like, but it's for women only. You know? And I'm just like, man, there's just no no winning. No winning with this situation. She's always got some, some excuse. It's like, uh, not only am I doing my hair, 
but only girls are allowed at the hair salon, you know? And you're like, man, fuck, what? Come on, man. What, what kind of rule is that? Like, when when did this rule happen? What kind of beach is it? Oh, women only. Women only. I'm sorry, at this at this swimming center, women only, you know? And then I think what makes it worse is uh, the little kid that uh, Takashi saved. He's like, he's like, teacher, you and me to save. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I stick the knife in and twist it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, we, we both got fucked. But it's cool. Like, they, they have a nice little talk, and it's like, did you see them? Did you say good morning? Like, is everything cool? And he's like, yeah, everything's cool. So it's like, it's you know, it's a nice thing. And, of course, like I said, there is the callback in the Ultraman Mobius episode where they're laughing about it, you know, 20, 30 years later, where they're like, Shinichi, is that you? It's like, don't, don't fucking call any, like, love monsters, because, you know, like, what? You called a love monster? That was you? Ah! You know, and it's all this big fucking joke. So, you know, it, it's like everything. Hindsight's 20. 2020. It seems like the end of the world at the time, but then it becomes uh, the butt of a joke at a, a, a high school cla- class reunion. So yeah, it's it's not the end of the world, people. So it's it, you know it's it was a good story. I, I really do like the teacher student aspect to it the most, and and it's fun watching him try to score with this chick and fail miserably. You know, I think that's that's there's there's some comedy humor to that and everything, you know, because everybody's been there, you know, so, and, and at least, at least it's not a miserable thing where he's going to, like, cut his wrists and everything and go back to the land of light and be like, he doesn't love me, you know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, next time, next time, I'll get her, I'll get her next time, you know, it's a very Brock and Pokemon type of, you know, vibe, it's like he doesn't ever succeed, but, you know, you, you still, you get a kick out of it, because you're like, ah, oh, we've all been there. He came to us But yeah, we, we got to keep going, man, because we, we got episode four coming up here, which is titled For the Love of the Sky. And basically here, there's a UFO headed for Earth. And of course, the UGM is on alert. There's all these crazy alarms going off and everything because this UFO is headed for Earth. And in the middle of all this, of course, Takashi is teaching class because it's a weekday and not a weekend. So he's not at the UGM headquarters but it turns out there's a truant like there's an empty seat in the classroom and and somebody went skating and who was it it's this kid named susamo who is the kid that is nicknamed super and everybody's like where'd super go and he he's like he said fuck this shit i'm not going to class i'm gonna go skating so takashi leaves the class to go chase after super and I guess there's lots of dramatic family stuff going on, you know? I mean, Supa's mother is is no longer with him. You know, she passed away, and then Supa's dad isn't really getting remarried, but it seems like he's getting remarried, so that's causing some tension between father and son, like, oh, you forgot about my mom, you can marry this other ugly hoe and everything, and he's all mad. And then his sister is getting married, but the, the sister has this kind of, you know, burden hardest to bear, giddy giddy type thing going on where, you know, she thinks she still has to take care of her younger brother and the father because she she was kind of the de facto mother after the mother passed away. But the dad's kind of trying to be like, look, I'll, I'll get married, too. Like, we'll be cool. Like, everything's going to be good. And, and it's he's trying to alleviate her burden. He wants his daughter to be happy, you know, and not not feel like she's got to stick around for them. So he's trying to come up with reasons why 
you know, so she can go off and do that. So there, there's all this kind of family drama and stuff like that. That's why Super's being a truant and kind of mouthing off to Takashi and everything like that. You know, of course, Takashi's got some important UGM business. You know, it's like, dude, man, uh, Friday, man, it's the weekend. You've got to come to the UGM headquarters and take a look at this UFO. And, of course, the UFO is a kaiju monster. It's a monster called Zandrius. And it's kind of like this winged... I guess, bat-like monster that flew to the planet or whatever. And then our favorite character, well, Justin's and mine, favorite character, this lady, this lunch lady from the school in blue who (laughs) doesn't speak a lick of fucking English because it's the melee dub. monster because i guess she saw it on the news so it's almost like she's she's on a school monitor but it you know it's one of those monitors that go into all the classrooms i assume when people like say the pledge although i don't think they said the pledge of japan obviously they must say something else but whatever it's a it's a school monitor thing maybe when they have announcements and stuff and so this announcement is like oh my god i never talked about a monster evacuate you know and you're just kind of like oh well I guess she saw it on the news and, you know, that, you know, but basically it's very difficult to understand this lady. What it kind of reminded me of was, uh, you know, living in California, it kind of reminded me of when we used to have earthquake drills. So there weren't actual earthquakes, but, you know, oh, just in case, you know, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to walk out single file and, you know, head out into an open space so nothing can, like, fall on us or whatever and that kind of thing. Or, like, I assume if if we're talking about the Japanese, maybe it's similar to them to, you know, I don't know if it evokes things like bomb raids or something like that, you know, like that that kind of vibe, you know, the stop, drop, and cover or whatever ridiculousness that was going on, you know, when, when atomic bombs go off, you know, as long as you hide under a table, you'll be cool, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I assume it's the same thing with monsters, right? The kaiju, this, this Zandria shows up, it's like, oh, cool, I'm under a table, you can't, you can't hurt me, you know, that kind of thing. Basically, like, the whole town is in hysteria, it seemed like, like, it's not like this orderly evacuation, you know, there's, there's the scene where Takashi is out looking for Super, he runs into Super's dad, and they're both looking for him. And meanwhile, like, all the extras are, like, frantically flailing around, you know, like, oh, my God, you know, and then, of course, it's compounded by the fact that it's Malaysian dub speak in the background, too, so it just adds to all the chaos and everything. And then and then there's there's a funny scene to, I don't know, I thought it was kind of funny, where the Zandrius is looking around, and, and there's this kind of cool shot where he, he looks through the window of an apartment complex, and, and he hears the baby crib music, I guess, and there's this little kid in the baby crib, and I guess that's kind of like a hint of, of the reveal that is to come. I, I thought it was kind of cool looking. What did you think about the Zandrius monster at this point? I thought it was pretty neat. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, uh, I don't know, deranged uh, Rodan or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that, because he's kind of got the wingspan, and he's kind of a, uh, 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 I don't know, whoa, getting to girly colors, but like a burnt sienna, you know, kind of brownish kind of monster or whatever, kind of a little bat-like, but a little bird-like, you know, that kind of combination. But, yeah, the UGM... Fighters are on the move again. They're attacking the Zandrias. Takashi is 
he basically finds Supa and he saves him, and then he reunites him with his pop. But he, you know, the Supa's still kind of like indignant. He's like, "I don't care." I don't care, fuck you, Dad, I don't care. And he's all kind of, you know, he's very mouthy at this point, because he, you know, obviously he's he's dealing with a lot of, you know, unresolved feelings and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, his dad gives him a big old bright slap to the face and is like, knock this shit off, which he probably deserved. And then, uh, basically, at that point, Takashi explains what's going on, and he's like, listen, like, your, your dad's not really going to get married to this other lady, but he's, he, he told your sister that so she'd feel more comfortable getting married and he doesn't want her to feel obligated and all this kind of, you know, complex stuff. And, and I guess, you know, Super just doesn't, he never, that never dawned on him. You know, he's, he, you know, he's a kid. It's more about his world and everything. And he didn't realize all that kind of stuff. And, and then he actually apologizes, you know, to his dad, which, which is good, you know, like, because he, you know, he, I guess he didn't know, you know, like he, he, he didn't know exactly why things were going on. And, you know, that, I guess that's a complicated situation for anybody. You know, you're, you're, you, one of your parents passes away and then you think your dad's going to get remarried, you know, it'd make anybody feel a little odd, but you know, I, 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 he's just not old enough to sort of, I guess, you know, treat that with the decorum of what you might think an adult person would do. You know, he's still a kid, so he kind of reacts to it in, in a kid's manner. And then, you know, Supa notices, uh, 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 there are two Zandriases. So you're like, what the what? You know, and there's two of them. And I even had to go back and go, wait a minute, where? I was like watching it, and then I jotted some notes down, and then was kind of like, wait, there's two of them? How'd that happen? Like, what did he do? He split off? and He, he unfused? Like, what happened? And then, but actually, it was just, there's a second Zandrius comes to the planet and everything. And then, you know, the UGM, not to be undone, their fighter jet transforms and splits off into two different jets. So I guess they were prepared for this eventuality. So now they've got two different fighter jets to, to fight these two monsters. And I guess there's this Uhura character who, of course, we don't know her name because we weren't really introduced to a lot of these UGM Earth Defense Force types. But there, there is a character in the background who has been analyzing the sound waves of the Zandriuses since they've arrived on Earth. And she's like, I, oh, I understand now. I understand. And it's like the captain's like, well, what, what's the deal? Like, what do you understand? And it's like, well, it's, it's a son and a mother, and they're actually quarreling. Like, and, and it's like, oh, get it? It's like, basically, it's, it's kind of juxtaposed with Supa and his father basically arguing with one another. So it's like there's this sort of motherly monster and a, a sort of teenage child, you know, junior high monster, you know, attacking each other and, and quarreling and everything. But, of course, Ultraman 80, he's the man with the plan, and he basically is like, well, if I start fighting with these guys, they'll resolve their differences, team up on me. And that's basically what happens. And they sort of, you know, he lets them take, their, take his own wallet, and then they sort of fly off together, kind of happy. So I guess it worked. They, they, I guess they, they figured out. Ah, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, two people are yelling at each other. And then all of a sudden, it's like a family member of yours. And somebody's like, yeah, fuck that guy. And you're like, don't you say that. Only I can say that. And then they both kick the guy's ass. So that's kind of what happens. 
And then the epilogue is basically a super sister getting married at her wedding. And it looks like a nice wedding. They've got the just married, and they're going to you know go off together and everything. And the sister, even though she went through with the wedding, she's still, you know, obviously she still loves her brother and her father and everything like that. And super sitting there kind of going, look, you don't need to worry about me. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm a grown, you know, boy, I can take care of myself, and even if you're still worried about me, check it out, I got this girlfriend, and I think that's the, the character we talked about before, the chick named Fashion, or whatever, is nicknamed, or whatever, and she's there, and I go, oh, they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and I thought, that's kind of weird, I don't remember that, and then what's funny is that the punchline is, after they go through all that stuff, and she's like, oh, great, you got a girlfriend, and you're taken care of, and I don't feel this obligation anymore, and I'm gonna go off in my just-married mobile, and everything's going to be happy, there's this little aftermath where, you know, the chick's like, all right, give me my five bucks or whatever it is, or give me my give me my 500 yen, you know, or whatever it is, right? And and so he, he gives her the money, and it's like basically, you know, kind of like the hoe monster from last episode. She's a girlfriend for hire. So, you know, that, that was basically the punchline or whatever. Like she was pretending to be his girlfriend. And then that convinced the sister that everything was was all good. So yeah, that that's kind of the punchline, and that's the end of of the episode. So I I don't know any any final thoughts on either this episode in particular or Ultraman eighty, Justin. I I don't know what it was. If this episode was like better dubbed, or I think maybe it was just after the first episode, my mind just kind of like got into that weird zone where I like I. I don't even question what's going on. I'm just, like, absorbing it and going, uh-huh, yeah, not making sense, but okay, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of how I felt about this episode. Like, it was it was a good episode, but it didn't feel as uh, crazy or as... Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Like, it, it made more sense somehow. If, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as confused. Yeah. Probably because it had more of a straightforward plot. I mean, and, and, and the, the worst character that was dubbed is, of course, the, the school lunch lady in the blue coat or whatever, and she only has that one big scene, and you pretty much get the idea. Even though you don't know what she's saying, really, you, you got the idea she saw something on the news, and there's a monster headed that way, and then, of course, everybody freaks out afterwards, which, you know, and, and, and there's some scenes with the principal kind of saying, oh, yeah, well, it's a good thing all the kids are at school so they can, you know, stop, drop, and roll or whatever, you know, and you're just like, oh, okay, I, I get it, you know, like, but, you know, for the most part, it, it wasn't as... The, the, I, I think with the, the previous episode, there are lots of scenes with all the kids that were very unintelligible, and, and there's sort of less of that in this. And, and, and it's probably just because the, that third episode was a lot more complicated, and this one's... I mean, the complications come from the family dilemma, but yeah. you, you kind of get what's going on. I mean, you, you pretty much understand. I mean, you, you know, obviously there's some scenes where you're listening to them, and you're like, wait, what's going on with the sister and the the mother and the, but you pretty much pick it all up. I mean, you know, even, even if you don't understand word for word what they're saying, like you, you get the basic idea and everything. Like I said, I was comparing it to JMS's high school science teacher, Peter Parker phase or whatever. And, and 
I, I mean, I, I, I think that's like a positive compliment. I mean, I, I didn't like all the spider totem stuff, but, but that aspect of Peter Parker, like, I, I thought that was a, an interesting way to go with it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm almost kind of sad that I guess eventually at some point he, he has to do the UGM thing full time because I, I, I like that whole aspect of the character a lot. I, I, I was rewatching the, the episode 41 where he guest stars in Ultraman Mobius. And I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a reunion and everything. And, and you almost think he's never going to come back to the reunion. And it's it's a very touching scene, you know, where they've got all these students and they've made him this banner and everything. And he's still Ultraman 80 and they're screaming out like what they grew up to be. And, and you know, I, I grew up to be a teacher just like you. You know, I grew up to be a fucking accountant. I grew up to have like three kids. You know, it doesn't really matter what it was, but it was just it was just this great. I don't know. I, I thought it was a nice sort of touching moment, you know, to to cap off, uh, I guess, Ultraman 80. Like, I, I really enjoyed, you know, in addition to watching this, I just enjoyed the whole concept of his his effect on on those kids and, and how it was a, you know, it was a nice, positive, you know, enriching experience for all of them. You know, I mean, he even says at some point, you know, my students taught me something, too. Like, you know, so I... Uh, you know, I, I think that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, good. No big deal. But you seem to grown up a little. Not really. There are times you have to face the trouble, but it's nice to be grown up. Mm. <laughs> that's good. All right, so I guess that wraps things up for tonight's episode of Toku Thursdays. If you liked hearing about Ultraman stuff. Hopefully me and Justin can get together and do some more Ultraman type things. I also just wanted to give a shout out, since we are talking Ultraman, to Luke Giaconetti, who does the Earth Destruction Directive podcast. I just wanted to give him a shout out because he generally covers episodes of the original Ultraman series. So if you are interested in Ultraman, and this is the first time you're hearing us talk about it, and you want to have some place to also listen to other podcasts that cover similar type stuff. You know, he, he does some great coverage of those original episodes. You can also watch a lot of the original episodes like Ultra 7 and I, well, I don't know if it's Ultra 7, but I, I know Ultraman for sure is on Hulu. So you can also check out Ultraman on Hulu if you're into that. And... Yeah, I mean, keep listening to the Fanholes Proper podcast. Keep listening to Toku Thursdays. We, we also have other shows like Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays, and Mobile Suit Mondays. So you can listen to all those kind of spin-off shows that we do. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Hey, this is Justin, and I cannot do any more shows. I have my swimming lessons. <laughs> and and there's just chicks there and Justin <laughs> that's why I'm there yeah I feel sad. I feel dumb. <laughs> I I forgot. I like I like the part where he's like angrily kicking around the soccer ball, and he's just like, "I hate you." <laughs> and he breaks the window, but that's all he says. He's like, "I hate you." 
I like I like when the kid's like, I still have the hatred. <laughs> He's like, I'm still angry. I still have the hatred. <laughs> you, you make him almost sound like Morbius. I hunger for the plasma. <laughs> I have the hatred. I have the hatred. <laughs> <laughs>